Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. show on civil rights. My name is Barbara Bolton and I'm one of the radio hosts for the New Heights show on education and the New Heights educational group. I hope you enjoy the show and I'm asking our listeners to consider becoming a sponsor as we are no longer sponsored by Silicon Valley High School. This show is pre-recorded. Today I will talk about the abolitionist Harriet Tubman I've included a short poem in memory of Harriet. Harriet Tubman, an abolitionist renowned, we thank God for her spirit, her strength and her love for her fellow men. We'll remember her birthday this March to tell her story of the love for mankind, despite the cruelty that she, the slaves, and the fugitives received by the merciless slave masters bent on slavery. March the 10th is the day on which it is said that Harriet Tubman, Araminta Ross, famously known as an abolitionist, was born. As most blacks who were born into slavery in the 1800s, Harriet was like them, but became a hero when she escaped from slavery and helped other enslaved people escape from their masters or bondage. Harriet was born in Dorchester County, Maryland, where she lived a horrific life like most slaves, being beaten and whipped by her slave masters and even experiencing a life-threatening head injury that induced visions and dreams she attributed to the works of God. She became deeply religious because of her Methodist upbringing and these visions and dreams. She often fought illness in her childhood, but as she grew older, the sickly young household girl grew stronger and even became a field hand. On a secluded plantation during her adolescence, Tubman attempted to warn an escaping slave that his master was nearby. She was caught between the slave and his master when the two confronted each other. The master slung a lead weight at the escapee but hit Tubman in the head. The force of the blows broke her skull and drove a piece of her bandana into her head. The head injury would cause her to have headaches, fainting spells, and visions for the rest of her life. In 1844, she married a free black man named John Tubman. Around this time, she hired a lawyer to investigate her family's slave contracts. 
the lawyer found her mother should have been freed at the age of 45, meaning that some of her siblings should have been born free. And that came from www.crfusa.org. In the mid-1800s, she escaped to Philadelphia to return to help those she left behind. She helped her family to escape and led many others to their freedom. The Fugitive Slave Law of 1850 was part of the Compromise of 1850. This law required the United States government to actively assist slaveholders in recapturing freedom seekers. Under the United States Constitution, slaveholders had the right to reclaim slaves who ran away to free states. With the Fugitive Slave Law of 1850, the federal government had to assist the slaveholders no such requirement had existed previously. That came from OhioHistoryCentral.org. Harriet tried to find and help slaves in captivity escape, and this included John Tubman, who she later found out had remarried to a woman named Caroline, thereby ending her quest to find him. Frederick Douglass, an abolitionist, was also said to have worked with Tubman in helping fugitives. There is evidence to suggest that Tubman and her group stopped at the home of abolitionist and former slave Frederick Douglass. In his third autobiography, Douglass wrote, On one occasion I had eleven fugitives at the same time under my roof, and it was necessary for them to remain with me until I could collect sufficient money to get them on to Canada. It was the largest number I ever had at any one time, and I had some difficulty in providing so many with food and shelter. The number of travellers and the time of the visit make it likely that this was Tubman's group. Douglas and Tubman admired one another greatly as they both struggled against slavery. When an early biography of Tubman was being prepared in 1868, Douglas wrote a letter to honour her. He compared his own efforts with her as writing, The difference between us is very marked. Much, most that I have done and suffered in the service of our cause has been in public, and I have received many, much encouragement at every step of the way. You, on the other hand, have laboured in a private way. I have wrought in the day, you in the night. The midnight sky and the silent stars have been the witnesses of your devotion to freedom and of your heroism, except in John Brown of sacred memory. I know of no one who has willingly encountered more perils and hardships to serve our enslaved people than you. That came from Wikipedia. In 11 years, Tubman helped rescue 70 slaves in what was said to have taken 13 trips that included family members. Tubman was called Moses because of her efforts to free and rescue the slaves from their slave masters and to help fugitives to escape to the north. She was devout and dedicated to God, aided by visions, premonitions, and the voice of God which is said to sometimes be attributed to her head injury. Although a religious woman, she would not hesitate to use a gun, which she carried for her protection and the protection of the slaves, even to the point of using it on them if they ever turned back to their plantation. Despite the efforts of the slaveholders, Tubman and the fugitives she assisted were never captured. Years later, she told an audience, I was conductor of the Underground Railroad for eight years, and I can say what most conductors can't say. I never ran my train off the track and I never lost a passenger. 
In April 1858, Tubman was introduced to the abolitionist John Brown, an insurgent who advocated the use of violence to destroy slavery in the United States. Although she never advocated violence against whites, she agreed with his course of direct action and supported his goals. Like Tubman, he spoke of being called by God and trusted the divine to protect him from the wrath of slaveholders. She meanwhile claimed to have had a prophetic vision of meeting Brown before the encounter. Thus, as he began recruiting supporters for an attack on slaveholders, Brown was joined by General Tubman, as he called her. Her knowledge of support networks and resources in the border states of Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Delaware was invaluable to Brown and his planners. Although other abolitionists like Douglas did not endorse his tactics, Brown dreamed of fighting to create a new state for freed slaves and make preparation for military action. He believed that after he began the first bat battle, slaves would rise up and carry out a rebellion across the slave states. He asked Tubman to gather former slaves, then living in present-day southern Ontario, who might be willing to join his fighting force, which she did. On May the 8th, 1858, Brown held a meeting in Chatham, Ontario, where he unveiled his plan for a raid on Harper's Ferry, Virginia. When word of the plan was leaked to the government, Brown put the scheme on hold and began raising funds for his eventual resumption. Tubman aided him in this effort and with more detailed plans for the assault. Tubman was busy during this time giving talks to abolitionist audiences and tending to her relatives. In late 1859, as Brown and his men prepared to launch the attack, Tubman could not be contacted. When the raid on Harper's Ferry took place on October the 16th, Tubman was not present. Some historians believe she was in New York at the time, ill with fever related to her childhood head injury. Others propose she may have been recruiting more escaped slaves in Ontario. And Kate Clifford Larson suggests she may have been in Maryland recruiting for Brown's raid or attempting to rescue, rescue more family members. Larson also notes that Tubman may have begun sharing Frederick, Frederick Douglass's doubts about the viability of the plan. The raid failed. Brown was convicted of treason, murder, and inciting a slave rebellion, and he was hanged on December 2nd. His actions were seen by many abolitionists as a symbol of proud resistance, carried out by a noble martyr. Tubman herself was effusive with praise. She later told a friend, he done more in dying than a hundred men would be in living. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group educational resources to help reach your goals hello listeners if you're enjoying the new Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization please visit www.newheightseducation.org and while you're there check out our online store 
Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. My name is Barbara Bullen and I'm the radio host for this show. This show is pre-recorded and focuses on the history of civil rights. A recap of the first segment of the show on the abolitionist Harriet Tubman will continue. When the Civil War broke out in 1861, Tubman saw a Union victory as a key step towards the abolition of slavery. General Benjamin Butler, for instance, aided escaped slaves flooding in Fort Monroe in Virginia. Butler had declared these fugitives to be contraband, property seized by northern forces and put them to work initially without pay in the fort. Tubman hoped to offer her own expertise and skills to the Union cause too, and soon she joined a group of Boston and Philadelphia abolitionists heading to the Hilton Head district in South Carolina. She became a fixture in the camps, particular in Port Royal, South Carolina, assisting fugitives. Tubman met with General David Hunter, a strong supporter of abolition. He declared all of the contrabands in the Port Royal District free and began gathering former slaves for a regiment of black soldiers. U.S. President Abraham Lincoln, however, was not prepared to enforce emancipation on the southern states and reprimanded Hunter for his actions. Tubman condemned Lincoln's response and his general unwillingness to consider ending slavery in the U.S. for both moral and practical reasons. God won't let Master Lincoln beat the South till he does the right thing, she said. Master Lincoln, he's a great man and I'm a poor Negro, but the Negro can tell Master Lincoln how to save the money and the young men. He can do it by setting the Negro free. Suppose that was an awful big snake down there on the floor. He bite you, folks all scared because you die. You send for a doctor to cut the bite, but the snake, he rolled up there. And while the doctor doing it, he bite you again. The doctor dug out that bite, but while the doctor doing it, the snake, he spring up and bite you again. So he keep doing it till you kill him. That's what Master Lincoln ought to know. Tubman served as a nurse in Port Royal preparing remedies from local plants and aiding soldiers suffering from dysentery. She rendered assistance to men with smallpox, that she did not contract the disease herself, started more rumours that she was blessed by God. At first she received government rations for her work, but newly freed blacks thought she was getting special treatment. To ease the tension, she gave up her right to these supplies and made money selling pies and root beer which she made in the evenings. When Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, Tubman considered it an important step towards the goal of liberating all black people from slavery. She renewed her support for a defeat of the Confederacy, and in early 1863, she led a band of scouts through the land around Port Royal. The marshes and rivers in South Carolina were similar to those of the eastern shore of Maryland. Thus, her knowledge of covert travel and subterfuge among potential enemies was put to good use. Her group, working under the orders of Secretary of War Edwin Stanton, mapped the unfamiliar terrain and reconnoitred its inhabitants. She later worked alongside Colonel James Montgomery, 
provided him with key intelligence that aided in the capture of Jacksonville, Florida. Later that year, Tubman became the first woman to lead an armed assault during the Civil War, when Montgomery and his troops conducted an assault on a collection of plantations along the Combahee River. Tubman served as a key advisor and accompanied the raid. On the morning of June 2, 1863, Tubman guided three steamboats around Confederate mines in the waters leading to the shore. Once ashore, the Union troops set fire to the plantations, destroying infrastructure and seizing thousands of dollars worth of food and supplies. When the steamboats sounded their whistles, slaves throughout the area understood that they were being liberated. Tubman watched as slaves stampeded towards the boats. I never saw such a sight, she said later, describing a scene of chaos with women carrying still steaming pots of rice, pigs squealing in bags slung over shoulders, and babies hanging around their parents' necks. Although their owners, armed with handguns and whips, tried to stop the mass escape, their efforts were nearly useless in the tumult. As Confederate troops raced to the scene, steamboats packed full of slaves took off towards Buffon. More than 750 slaves were rescued at the Combahee River raid. Newspapers heralded Tubman's patriotism, sagacity, energy and ability, and she was praised for her recruiting efforts. Most of the newly liberated men went on to join the Union Army. Tubman later worked with Colonel Robert Goldshaw at the assault of Fort on Fort Wagner, reportedly serving him his last meal. She described the battle by saying, and then we saw the lightning, and that was the guns, and then we heard the thunder, and that was the big guns, and then we heard the rain falling, and that was the drops of blood falling, and when we came to get the crops, it was dead men that we reaped. For two more years, Tubman worked for the Union forces, tending to, nearly, tending to newly liberated slaves, scouting into Confederate territory, and nursing wounded soldiers in Virginia. She also made periodic trips back to Auburn to visit her family and care for her parents. The Confederacy surrendered in April 1865 after donating several more months of service. Tubman headed home to Auburn. During a train ride to New York in 1869, the conductor told her to move from a half-price section into the baggage car. She refused, showing the government-issued papers that, that entitled her to ride there. He cursed at her and grabbed her, but she resisted and he summoned two other passengers for help. While she clutched at the railing, they muscled, muscled her away, breaking her arm in the process. They threw her into the baggage car, causing more injuries. As these events transpired, other white passengers cursed Tubman and shouted for the conductor to kick her off the train. Her act of defiance became a historical symbol, later cited when Rosa Parks refused to move from a bus seat in 1955. That was taken from wikipedia.org. 1868 is a letter from Frederick Douglass to Harriet Tubman. Rochester, August the 29th, 1868. Dear Harriet, I am glad to know that the story of your eventful life has been written by a kind lady, and that the same is soon to be published. You ask for what you do not need when you call upon me for a word of commendation. I need such words from you far more than you can need them from me, 
especially when your superior labours and devotion to the cause of the lately enslaved of our land are known as I know them. The difference between us is very marked. Most that I have done and suffered in the service of our cause has been in public, and I have received much encouragement at every step of the way. You, on the other hand, have laboured in a private way. I have wrought in the day, you in the night. I have had the applause of the crowd and the satisfaction that comes of being approved by the multitude, while the most that you've done has been witnessed by a few trembling, scared, and foot-sore bondmen and women whom you've led out of the house of bondage and whose heartfelt God bless you has been your only reward. The night, the midnight sky and the silent stars have been the witnesses of your devotion to freedom and of your heroism except in john brown of sacred memory i know of no one who has willingly encountered more perils and hardships to serve our enslaved people than you have much that you have done would seem improbable to those who do as i know you it is to me a great pleasure and a great privilege to bear testimony for your character and your works and to say to those to whom you may come that i regard you in every way truthful and trustworthy your friend, Frederick Douglass. Black Pass B, 2019, October the 14th, 1868. Letter from Frederick Douglass to Harriet Tubman. Blackpass.org. www.blackpass.org. African American History. Letter from Frederick Douglass to Harriet Tubman. And here's a quote. Harriet Tubman, your legacy and dream continues until the day when slavery is abolished throughout the world. This comes to the conclusion of the show. Thank you for listening. You can reach me by email, barbarab at newheightseducation.org. Be sure to join me every Sunday at radio.newheightseducation.org as I discuss the history of civil rights. Also join Orlania Tabbitt's pre-recorded radio show, which airs by Friday at 6 p.m., Eastern Standard Time and Pamela Clark's pre-recorded shows which airs Wednesday by 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Civil rights is our right. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page radio.newheightseducation.org for monthly announcements and other happenings. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels.